This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> In March 2016, Cody the daughter-in-law of Dr. Harold Punnett, one of NerveGen's co-founders, fell and became a complete T11 paraplegic. She has no sensation or function below the level of her belly button, and the devastating injury changed the lives of Cody and the rest of the family. In response to this terrible injury, Dr. Punnett began a personal quest to learn about spinal cord injury. Through his research, he discovered a revolutionary nerve regeneration technology of deep biological logic in Dr. Jerry Silver's work at Case Western Reserve University, CWRU. Dr. Silver and Dr. Punnett began a conversation that resulted in the formation of NerveGen PharmaCore in 2018. Dr. Punnett's hope is that the work performed by NerveGen will be able to help Cody and others suffering from paralysis. He is also very excited that the technology may also lead to novel new treatments for other serious neurological conditions, such as neurodegenerative diseases. Valeria Telles interviews Paul Brennan, MSc in Physiology, BSc Honors in Life Sciences, President and Chief Executive Officer at NerveGen Pharma, and Speaker. Paul Brennan is the President and Chief Executive Officer at NerveGen Pharma. He has over 30 years of experience in the pharmaceutical and biotech industries, working in leadership roles in general management, corporate strategy, commercial planning, business development, and regulatory affairs in Canada, Sweden, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Most recently, Mr. Brennan's experiences include senior business development and management positions in various biotech companies, including Aquinox Pharmaceuticals, Arbutus Biopharma, Aspriva Pharmaceuticals, and Anor Med Inc. Mr. Brennan has a comprehensive list of business development and licensing transactions, totaling over $3 billion in value. He played key roles in the merger of Tecmira Pharmaceuticals and Encore Biopharma to create Arbutus Biopharma in the sale of Espriva Pharmaceuticals to Vifor Pharma for $915 million and in the sale of Anormed to Genzyme for $580 million. Prior to working in biotech, Mr. Brennan held senior roles in business development and regulatory affairs at AstraZeneca. Mr. Brennan holds an MSc in Physiology and a BSc Honors in Life Sciences from Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Meet Paul at NerveGen.com. Here is the interview with Paul Brennan.
in your own words, who is Paul Brennan? Oh, that's a good question. I guess first and foremost, a father and husband, very much strong family ties. But apart from that, I'm sort of, I guess I define myself by very much by my work. I'm very much involved in my work. I'm very interested in, in medicine, medical developments. And where I've carved out my niche is in pharmaceutical development, how to develop new therapies for patients. And, and really, my keen interest is in how do you go from the step of showing things work preclinically to showing things that work in humans and understanding what's the value that something brings to human therapy. So that's, that's really my interest. Uh, and that's takes these days the bulk of my time. I don't have much time for anything else at the moment. I'll be asking you more questions about what you do and how you do it in the moment. For now, let me ask you an open question about success. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Oh, well, success personally is knowing that you've uh, done a good job, achieved what you've tried to achieve, um, that you haven't taken shortcuts and you've done the best job possible uh, and asked the right questions and, and done the right things to answer those questions. So it's about it's about satisfaction, knowing that that you're happy with with what you're doing. And that, that could be work. It, it could be playing sports. It could be uh, reading a book. Um, it could be anything. It's really just being satisfied with knowing that you're approaching, you're, you know, you're being to quote what mm. people say a lot, best version of yourself. Yeah, I love that idea. So you connect the success that you speak of is connected to happiness and satisfaction. How do you measure that in a sense of, um, is that a, a feedback based? How do you measure that it's yourself, how, the way you feel or the way you make other people feel? Ah, uh, well, that's a good question, actually. I was going to say the way you feel, but the way you feel is definitely reflected in the way you make other people feel. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> an element of contentment. You sleep well at night, I think, is one of those things. And, and um how you interact with people is huge. Uh, I, for me, how you interact with people is really, really important. Um, you have to treat everybody with respect. Uh, I was just thinking about this the other day, that everybody deserves respect, who you work with. Um, I think, you know, going back to who am I, I'm a very curious person. I, I you know, always wanting to ask questions, always wanting to learn, and treating with people with respect is being curious about them and really understanding what motivates them um, and asking questions. So, so in the end, uh, so I've gone back to your previous question, but, but how you measure it is really your level of, of um, contentment and satisfaction at the end of the day. True. I love that component, the uh, being curious, which to me, it translates as being open to life. That helps a lot when it comes to relationships, because then we become less judgmental and more open to ask questions. Why do people behave the way they do? Why they feel the way they do? That sometimes bother us. <laughs> I love this idea of navigating life in such a way. I agree with you entirely. It's 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 really important to be open to other people and and ideas and and questions. And you can have your everybody will have their own ideas and and biases, but you should always seek to challenge those. And I do. It's my best my. Most favorite discussions are with people who have opposing views to me. Mm. Yeah, that's a practice, isn't it, Paul? It's not something that is uh, 
uh, that we learn and then in one moment in time and then that's it. It doesn't seem to be that way. It's something that we keep practicing, right? I, yeah, and I think for some people it's just innate. Some people are like, others aren't. Um, I, I was very much influenced by a um, high school teacher that I had who I, I think, it's really hard to know how you end up how you do, but if I were to point to one thing, I had a history high school teacher um, who would uh, take a topic. It, it was actually a, a politics and history, and he would take a topic and ask us to look and analyze at opposing views and take the same topic and look at it from the left or from the right or from, you know, to, regard, whether it was political or, or environmental or whatever it was, um, uh, to, to critique and, and support the arguments from both sides. And, and, and ever since then, I've always been doing that. And if you, if you were going to argue left, I'm going to argue right. If you're arguing right, I'm arguing left. It's, it's, it's I'm very much a centrist that way. Yeah. Another question I have for you, open question, is about the purpose of the human experience. If life had one purpose only, what would that be from your perspective? That I, that's a big question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's, it's to develop and grow, to learn. But I think it's different for other people. But, but for me, it's to, to contribute, um, to help advance and, and develop. You know, I, we're a population of humans. And for me, what drives me is that ability to know that I've done something to help future, help humanity going forward. So I don't know why, but that's, that's really my, what I find satisfying. Interesting that you said that too. I don't know why, because I get this answer a lot. Pretty much everyone says the same thing in a different way. So we are here to help ourselves and one another. Basically, they say help one another contribute or do something that is uh, worthwhile. And I often wonder why too. I know you just said that you don't know exactly why. I have some ideas though. They might be theories, spiritual theories, that we are all connected. That has to do with this innate knowledge or wisdom that we all know that we are all connected, deeply connected, not yeah. to say one. <laughs> that yeah, be. no, no I've, I've heard that, those points. I think they're, they're interesting lines of discussion. I, I think that's one of the things that really separates us from, from humans, from, from animals. And not to say that animals aren't important, but I think what, you know, humans advance over time and they, they, they become hopefully for the most part better, not always. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. <laughs> as we continue, we will. And, and we'll become ter caretakers of the world and, and be more and more, you know, more and more advanced as a society as we grow. Um, and I think that's what, uh, maybe it's, you know, to take a, a, a scientific look at it, maybe we've evolved that way to, to make, to, to become that sort of species. But I'm not sure. I mean, there's, it's really something hard to know. It's a good question. So my other question that relates more with what you do is healing and cure. Is there a difference between those two aspects of getting better from whatever it is? I, I think it really depends on how you use the definition, um, but I'll give you a really good example of why I think they're different. So my father had, had we talked a little bit earlier about Alzheimer's. My father had had a Parkinson's, a, a neurodegenerative disease, um, as well as he had um, prostate cancer. And the prostate cancer blocked, ended up blocking 
um, the tubules to his kidneys, and so it, it presented itself as a as a kidney um, failure. And so he was treated by a nephrologist uh, in the hospital, and the nephrologist was really focused on returning the function of the kidneys because if you don't have functional kidneys, it's just a really bad outcome. So he, he was in the hospital and he was declining just generally substantially to the point where he couldn't lift up a spoon and eat or could barely lift up a spoon and eat. And the But the nephrologist ended up putting putting tubules in and, and cured the kidneys and said looked at him and said, nope, your kidneys are fine, you're, you're good to go home. And I just looked at the nephrologist and said, have you looked at the rest of him? He can't pick up a spoon. He's not good to go home. And so I think curing is focused on individual, like specific outcomes, curing asthma or curing the curing the, the tumor. But wellness is a holistic thing, and so I think they're I think they're quite different. But it really depends on how people use the terminologies. And I think the medical community is focusing on curing. And and the other communities are more focused on wellness. Yeah, right. Is this the idea that we are always healing from something? That life is um, somehow hurting us, which it really does at the level, different levels, psychological, emotional, and physically. Physically, more often than not, maybe emotionally too, actually. <laughs> and then we are doing the healing work. Yeah, I like your. Um, perspective on that. Cure, it's more specific, it's localized. And another question I have for you, the opening question, is about spirituality. Do you have any spiritual views or practices or belief systems, Paul? I don't have any recognized belief systems that would be categorized as being you know, Christian or Islam or Judaism or any of the other religions. I grew up with, uh, going to Catholic school. But I would um, not categorize myself as specifically Catholic or Christian. Uh, I'm not an atheist. I believe that's what many people think atheism is not a belief system. But I think it is a belief system. You have to believe to be an atheist, that there's nothing beyond what we can calculate. And so I'm not an atheist. Um, but it kind of puts me in the really woolly category of agnosticism where you really don't know <laughs> yeah uh, and that's kind of part of my nature i'm always open to different ideas so i'm not going to commit to something that i don't know is correct uh and so i like to talk about the different components of the different religions the major religions and the different philosophies i always like to explore it but i haven't adopted one as as my belief system because that's part of my nature i'm always interested in different ideas i love that too uh, spirituality is just a label but we do consider a lot of the things, practices we have, let's say meditation, prayer, being a spiritual practice. But I, I don't know. It's just a label from my perspective, too. What do you love most about being in a human body? Being in the, uh, the it goes back to Sartre's comment, I think, therefore I am. Mm. And just being. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Experiencing the world mm. uh, is fantastic. I love experiencing the world and being. <laughs> so it's a really simple action. Hmm. Yeah, that's funny because that might be one of the highest spiritual ideas, understandings, like concepts. It's to just be, not be attached to anything, belief systems, and just be what you are. And um, that's very freeing, actually, to think that way. And speaking of freedom, what is your idea of freedom? What is to be free to you? 
Whoa, that's a that's a good question. Um, it's not being uh, attached to material things um, or schedules or or just to be sort of be free. And I, I don't know that anybody's truly free. Uh, I know I'm not because I enjoy my house and and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I live. But that I think that would be true freedom, not to be worried about um, material components, ownership, time. And it's, it's, I think that's what, where Buddhists go, right. Um, for their, in the Buddhist religion is to go and seek freedom through lack of material ownership. It's a kind of interesting concept, but, but not one I'm yet ready to use. <laughs> in a way, I love what you said too, that no one's really free. That resonates true to me because we always tied to something, some sort of condition of the mind or body and the body especially. So the, I don't see um, a way of being free from those um, conditionings. I think what you can do is set the conditions by which time you. It's an interesting discussion. Is rather than, because really nobody, I mean, you can go the Buddhist way and try and see nirvana through meditation, but you'll always be tied, for instance, to your body. And so maybe seeking freedom is 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 not really seeking total freedom, but trying to understand and, and set the boundaries that tie you and and think about, make conscious decisions about what it is that you want to tie you. Because many of those are unconscious decisions, right? So true. Absolutely. Yeah, there are so many layers to be uncovered. That is for sure. Fundamentally, we have the body. So the body is, um, to me, is the anchor of conditionings. There are so many already established that we can't change. Knowing that we will lose the body one of these days, That's uh, another condition, a big one for most people. Yeah, I love that question about freedom. What is freedom? What comes to me is just accepting everything, life the way it is, and becoming, not having a life, but being life. I am life. I don't have one. That kind of puts me in this space of uh, surrender, total acceptance, and I call it freedom, actually. That's to me is the only way to find freedom by accepting, embracing everything the way it is, exactly the way it is. At this time, what do you think is or feel is the world's greatest need? Oh, well, I think there's a lot of discourse out there, unfortunately. And so learning to exist when one has opposing views. And I do think environmentally we need to depoliticize it and make it more about. Uh, intellectual discussion to take to you know to be the right uh, caretakers of the world. And I wonder if love, the idea of love, is connected to the ideas that you speak of. What is love to you? Unconditional acceptance of people or the people you love. You tend to unconditionally accept and help and support them. So you are a chief executive officer at Nerve Gem Pharma. So talk to me about what inspired you to do what you do today and how did you become interested in in medicine? Yeah, that, that's a decision I made in university in high school when I was I knew I was good at sciences and I liked and I could do well in sciences and maths. And I had a choice between going towards the biology, biological sciences, or engineering, because I was good at physics, I was good at chemistry, I was good at biology. 
Uh, and I actually was going, I had originally applied to go into engineering, but I just found, I found when I took my senior level biology course, just the most fascinating subject, how the body works from the large level of, you know, how the heart functions to the detailed level of what the different cells in the heart do and how they interact with each other. And so that was really what, what uh, intrigued me. And I went into life sciences university. I uh, was very much intrigued to go into graduate school and, and look at, at doing research, learning more, learning more about, again, it's all about quest for, I love learning things, uh-huh. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so going to graduate school. Um, and then uh, that just put me into the pharmaceutical industry that I had to get a job. <laughs> so I didn't. I, I did a master's degree, not a PhD. Uh, I ended up getting a job um, and worked in sort of regulatory affairs. Ended up working in the commercial side of things, understanding how decisions are made about what pharmaceuticals you advance and what you don't and why are they so expensive. And just learning that whole process. And ultimately, I'm a very strategic thinker. How do you approach problems? How do you problem solve both from a from a long-term perspective and a short-term perspective. And being a strategic thinker leads you towards sort of more general management uh, components of things, and that's how it ended up to me and into uh, to being sort of a CEO of a company. NerveGen per se is, is just, you know, the technology is fascinating. And um, what you see in this company are, are people who are associated with this company, more so than any other company I've worked with, feel that they're on a mission to to do something they're they're here because they believe that if the technology work it's going to be it's going to really redefine therapy in the neurosciences space so they're not here just for the money but you know we, we pay people um because they have to make a living there many people are are here because we feel that this is something when it, if it works if what we see in our animal studies translates to humans it's going to be we're going to be part of something big and 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 really change the world and so it's very much a that type of culture here um and so it's you know um for myself the same thing that i joined two years ago when the company was in its infancy and uh, i just saw this amazing opportunity with so many different strategic questions to be answered uh that it's just fun you keep talking about this uh, desire to learn and being curious. I love that, Paul. I wish more human beings were like that. It seems like we are getting there somehow. So talk to me about the history of Nerve Gem. How did that begin? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting history. Um, it, there's two parallel paths to the history. The one was our scientific founder, a guy called Dr. Jerry Silver, who is a who was interested in spinal cord injury. And so he did a lot of research in spinal cord injury. And he discovered um, that when you have an injury to the brain, whether it's the brain or the spinal cord injury, you get a scar that forms. Um, and this scar is what's responsible for the brain for, from repairing itself. So you know that if you have a spinal cord injury, unfortunately there's not much repair that occurs over time and you have that injury for your life. And the reason is because a scar forms and the scar is stopping the natural repair mechanisms. So, so that was Dr. Silver's work. On the other side, he was at a, a Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. Um, on the other side, um, there's a gentleman, a dentist, um, based in 
here in Vancouver whose daughter-in-law got in a terrible accident. She got into a spinal injury accident and became a paraplegic. Um, and he wanted to find a solution for her. She was, and I think she was in her late twenties and she had three young kids. It's a terrible situation for the family and he couldn't sleep. So he started to research what was available out to, to help treat his daughter-in-law. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing approved to help treat spinal injury patients either at the time of the injury or, or to help recover after. Um, what was in the clinic wasn't really very interesting, but the work done by Dr. Silver was really differentiated, uh, very different than, than what Harold could see elsewhere. And so he was part of an investment group and said, hmm, we should take this technology and start a company. And, and that's how it was started. It took a long time. It took two years from when Harold first met Jerry to create NerveGen. Um, lots of discussions, lots of business plans made, um, but they eventually persisted, uh, and that's how NerveGen was started. How beautiful. So it came from this desire to help others, to help loved ones. How beautiful. What are neurodegenerative diseases and what causes them? Yeah, so neurodegenerative diseases are diseases that affect your, your ability to think, your cognition. Uh, predominantly, but they also could affect your ability to move um, and, and walk. So Alzheimer's disease is a neurodegenerative disease. Uh, multiple sclerosis is a neurodegenerative disease that uh, affects your ability to move. A Parkinson's disease, Huntington's, uh, ALS, which was referred to as um, Lou Gehrig's uh, disease. These are all neurodegenerative diseases. And what causes them is really not known. Alzheimer's, which is the widest, most common form of dementia, is, is not known. There are some genetic risk factors, but they're not 100%. If you have a gene, you get Alzheimer's. There are other risk factors related to Alzheimer's, like your diet. In fact, the highest risk factor related to Alzheimer's is your hearing. If you have loss of hearing at a senior age, it's a huge uh, uh, risk factor, but it's not 100%. So there's, it's, nobody really knows uh, infections are thought to be, previous infections are thought to be related to Alzheimer's. Nobody really knows what causes it. And that's the problem with the research in the field is nobody knows what causes um, Alzheimer's. Multiple sclerosis is a bit different. People know, uh, multiple sclerosis is your immune system attacks a part of your nervous system, the, the myelin. Why it happens in some people, not others, is not 100% understood, but they understand a little bit more about why multiple sclerosis occurs. So some of these, uh, also, uh, ALS is another, um, Parkinson's, nobody's really 100% sure as to what causes it. And that's why they're very difficult to treat. So talk to me about how it works, this uh, medication, nerve gem. What is the promise? Yeah, so it's it's really quite interesting. It it works around this discovery of Dr. Silver of, of the scar that occurs in the brain and a specific molecule, um, which we call CSPGs, that are in the scar. And this molecule is responsible for stopping the body from repairing itself. So you know, if you were to cut your hand, that cut would heal itself. The body has pretty good, incredible ability to heal itself. But in the brain, if you have damage, it doesn't heal itself. And it's because of these scar tissue. Now, the scar tissue is there for a purpose. It's there particularly in response to injuries. 
to contain the injury, to stop the injury from, from getting larger. But unfortunately, in the case of um, the scar tissue in, in the brain and in the spinal cord, it doesn't go away. And, it, and it's always stopping the it, surviving neurons from repairing uh, the body. And so, so what we've done is um, we understand the mechanism by which these molecules are stopping um, the, the body from repairing itself. And so our, what our product does is it puts a halt, basically allows the cells of the nervous system to ignore these CSPGs and to start healing itself. Um, so what you're seeing is the neurons growing and forming new connections that wouldn't happen without the treatment. You're seeing the myelin, this fatty tissue I was talking about, being formed. Uh, and you're seeing the damaged neurons forming new connections. Wow. So it's pretty, pretty interesting. You're already on a trial, clinical trial, phase yes. one. Talk to me about the trial. What is the update on that? So the trial is, um, we're in phase one, so we're treating healthy volunteers right now. Uh, and what we're doing is is we want to understand side effects. All drugs have side effects. So we don't want to, we're treating healthy volunteers to see how high a dose we can go before we see side effects and what understand what those side effects are. And also to understand the drug properties in humans, because drugs are not metabolized the same way in, in humans as they are in, in rats or, or mice when you do your experiments. So we finished um, getting to the highest dose in the single dose portion of the study. And next year, we'll start on the multiple dose portion of the study. And what we're learning is it's actually quite well tolerated. We've gotten to the highest dose. Um, we see injection site reactions, which are common with with uh, injections. Um, and we, but we also see that um, the drug is quickly distributed to the body, and it's actually uh, stays in the body much longer in humans than it does uh, in rats. So that's really promising. That's really those are really promising signs. Are there other drugs on the market these days, Paul? No, there's nothing. Similar. There's nothing in the market. We're we're sort of going after trying to do things that nothing in the market does. In fact, there's very little, we don't even see anything preclinically that's after the same, or sorry, in, in the clinic that's after the same mechanism. And even preclinically, I haven't seen anything following the same mechanism. So it's really quite, um, it is unique. And lots of people are watching what we're doing because if we can show that this, the effect that we're seeing in the animal models, which are really quite dramatic, if we can see that that translates to humans, this is really going to be an important therapy for neurologists. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything that we didn't cover? No, I, th I think, I mean, if people are interested in reading about our, our company, what we're doing, we can, you can always Google our name um, and, and there's lots of information on our website. We, for those that are really interested in, in digging in, we have lots of publications available. Um, that's that's nervegen.com. Yeah, so the website is nervegen.com. N E R V G E N.com. I'll also have the link on your podcast profile too. So, uh, my ending questions, let's see, I have um, lots of them here. Uh, let me ask you, I'll ask you this one. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? The hardest. Uh, I think the most important lesson is to learn like, the hardest thing to learn. I guess this is what you learn as you get older is, is 
is your strengths and your limitations and, and learning to accept what those are. Because when you're young, you don't really think you have any <laughs> <laughs> yeah. limitations. Uh, but yes. to learning where you fit in the world, what you do well, what you don't do well, and, and learning to to um, to work with that, I think is 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 really important. What is another word for life from your perspective? Experience. Mm. Yeah. And my last question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, well, love. You mentioned about love. That's really at the top of the list. Everybody gets that. Curiosity, true curiosity, and contentment. Okay, now I became curious about the second item, true curiosity. What is the difference between that and the regular curiosity if it there uh, i i think true curiosity you never the true curiosity is is never ever stopping to ask the question sometimes you have to stop because yeah people are tired of asking questions <laughs> yeah it reminds me of my uh, my oldest son when he was young would never stop asking questions uh, and just stop yeah <laughs> but, but yeah. just that real mm. um a lot of people ask questions because they think they should or it's a way to interact with people. Um, true curiosity is just that, just always wanting to know more. Mm, yeah. Not about everything, right, Paul? Like, I don't have an interest in, so, in a lot of things. I'm not interested in so many things. <laughs> but I am interested in, in a lot of other things. <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard. Some things bore us more than others. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't say I'm terribly interested in... <laughs> In accounting, as an example, <laughs> yeah. but I am somewhat interested. Like, oh. I, I want to know the basics and understand how it plays, why it's important. In the world. But yeah, we, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to learn about anything. Wow, I wonder how much of, uh, how much can a human being really absorb and, and learn with, um, you know, the percentages of the brain that we use. Oh, you, you know, it's interesting. I, I, um, I hear quotes from scientists, whether it was 10 years ago or even 100 years ago, that say, you know, we're 80, we know 80% of what we need to know or, or about the body. Um, and, you know, we're not even close. <laughs> <There's> so <laughs> yes. much. And, and so, you know, I hope that um, uh, I'm still asking questions the day before I die. The only question I have on that, or the way I question that in a way, is that how much we can really take in without uh, influencing our mental health and our well-being. Because I noticed that the more I activate my brain by learning, reading things, especially before going to bed, then I can't sleep. <laughs> it, it becomes like, yeah, just the brain doesn't stop asking more questions and trying to answer them by itself, and then it becomes a snowball. True. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you don't, learn things when you only well, you do learn things when you meditate but you're not asking questions um but you do need your brain to to turn off and and, and relax and reset for sure as well we sleep and do other things but uh but generally there should never be a time in a day that goes by where we don't try and learn something yeah that sounds very realistic to me learning one or two things every day being curious yeah absolutely thank you so much again for sharing your wisdom what you do and how you do it and this beautiful desire to help other people. Thank you, Paul, for what you do. Well, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for the uh, 
interview. I really enjoyed it. And before we say goodbye again, where can we find more information about you, your products, services, and future projects? About uh, Nervogen, Nervogen.com is really the best place. We've got lots of information on our website, and you can go there. There's a little tab at the top called Doticia for those that like to read scientific articles where all the real detailed data is. But we also have in our, on our website just general presentations and videos and things like that that are really interesting. Wonderful. Thank you again, Paul, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Paul Brennan and his work, please visit NerveGen.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.